Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. We're so glad that you found us online and wanted to let you know that at Heights, it's our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places that you might visit on a regular basis. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us with a podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page as well. If you're finding us for the first time, make sure that you let us know you were here by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out the digital connect card. We're so glad that you found us. We have, we have definitely had church so far this morning, a great time of worship. We appreciate the way all of you love and lead people uh, because we want to see people have new life in Christ. We want to see them find help and hope in Jesus and that's what we've been saying through this sermon series uh, that we have been looking at over the last three weeks. We're finishing up this morning uh, called A Journey to Healing. We've been addressing mental health uh, issues over the last several uh, weeks because we believe that help and hope is found in the person and work of Christ Jesus. And like Pastor Matt said, uh, next week we're going to be starting the seven churches uh, in the book of Revelation. So I invite you back for that as well. As we've been moving through this series, uh, and again, I want to let you know if you're new with us this morning or just maybe uh, your first time in a, a while coming. We have some resources for you that we have put together to go along with this series. And so on our website, heightschurch.org slash resources, you can find some book recommendations. You can also find some counseling center recommendations for some counselors we would recommend to you. Uh, and we would also recommend the Sagemont Counseling Center with that. If you let them know you're a part of our church, you get a discount for that. Uh, and so also, please let us know if you are interested in counseling as a family, yourself, uh, for your teens, your children. If finances are an issue, please come to us and let us know. We have some money set aside to be able to come alongside of you uh, to help you in that because we do not want finances to be a reason that you do not go seek counseling. So please let us know. Uh, let me know. We'll be happy to come alongside and support you with that. Also, we put together some podcasts. The last two weeks have come out. Uh, parents, I'm going to let you know this Wednesday, our episode that's going to wrap up this series is about, as parents, how can we uh, talk to our children, our teenagers, about mental health issues? How can we as parents maybe identify, spot some warning signs and some signs where we can come alongside and have some conversations? So parents, That'll come out on Wednesday. You can get that on uh, your uh, podcast app on your phone, also on our YouTube page. We encourage you parents to uh, watch that and, and let us know if you have any questions in that. As we've been moving through the series, though, we've kind of been looking at how mental health uh, issues happen to us sometimes. So maybe there's an event that triggers an episode in our life, all right? So a, a sudden loss of a spouse or a family member may cause depression, and it may kind of trigger a period of depression in our life. A sudden loss of job can trigger an episode of anxiety within us. Um, you know, we, we also have to recognize that some of us are born with some mental health issues, or we kind of lean in our personalities more maybe toward a, a depressive-type state. But as we've looked through that, I want to kind of conclude the series this way. We've kind of looked at outside things that cause mental health issues within our life. But in this message, I want us to look at us, you. There are times you can be the cause of the mental health issue in your life. You can be the cause of the worry 
the anxiety, and the depression. And why I say that you and I can be the cause of that is because the Bible will teach us this, that if we hold within our lives sin, and we are not confessing sin constantly to God on a regular basis, and we're holding in unconfessed sin, that this can trigger depression. It can trigger anxiety because now we have this secret that we're trying to hold and and lie our way around. It can cause worry. What if I come out with this sin in my life? What's going to happen? And so when we talk about unconfessed sin, sin can cause mental health issues within our life. It can change relationships and how we interact with people. It can cause depression, anxiety, worry. It can cause the loss of love for the moment and being in the present because you're always worried about something else going on around you. And so this morning, as we talk about unconfessed sin, I want to center in on one of those. And that sin I want to particularly talk about is the sin of unforgiveness. To where you say, this person has said this, this person has done this, and I'm not going to forgive them. I'm going to put my hands up and not forgive them. Now, I know for some of you, right when I said that, you're already thinking these things because some of you have got that look on your face. And I know that look. I've been a pastor for over almost 18 years now. I was a high school history teacher for 10 years, so I'm used to the look. And some of you are looking at me and you're saying, look, there's no way I'm forgiving that person. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know how hard that hurt. And let me be real honest with you. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not minimizing the pain. But what I will tell you this from the very beginning that you are going to have to wrestle with is forgiving someone. It's not easy. It's hard, but it's biblical. It's right. It's the proof of showing that you are a believer in Jesus. When you have experienced forgiveness, you show forgiveness. And I want to take you to a story in Matthew chapter 18. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open that or turn on your iPad or your phone uh, so that for some of you, you're going to need to close out Facebook for a moment. And you're going to need to open up the Bible app or whatever game you're on at the moment. And in Matthew 18, in verse 21, Jesus begins to tell this story. And and, and it's Peter that comes up to him that initiates this conversation. And understand, Matthew 18 is all about relationships among Christians. It's a fascinating chapter because, actually, I'm going to start you back in verse 1. In verses 1 through 6, it's the disciples arguing amongst themselves who is the greatest. Then Jesus deals with our temptation of sin in verses 7 through 9, and he's saying, listen, we have to take sin very, very seriously in our lives. He says in verse 9, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away, for it's better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown in the hell of fire. Now in that statement of hyperbole, Jesus isn't saying literally go tear out your eye, but Jesus is saying take sin seriously. You cannot have unconfessed sin. And because this is going to deal with how we relate to one another. Then in verses 10 through 14, you see this parable of a a loving sheep herder 
a loving shepherd who goes out and he seeks to find that one sheep who has gone missing. And we, we see a picture of our heavenly father, what he has done for us in our lives through Christ Jesus. Then in verses 15 through 20, he goes over how we relate to each other and then when we cause each other some pain. And maybe someone has said something to you recently, they've texted something to you uh, where there's been issues, they've emailed something that hurt you. Those verses there in 15 through 20 talk about how we are to approach each other when we offend one another in Christ-like love and, and how we're to deal with that. So notice all of these are, are relational, they're all within Christians, and then Peter comes up in verse 21 and Peter says, okay, well, you, you've talked about how, you know, when someone sins against me, I'm to go to them and, and, you know, confront them in a loving way and let them know it hurt. And he says this, Lord, then how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as, as, many as seven times? Now, according to Jewish teaching out of the book of Amos and Jewish tradition, if someone has done the same thing to you more than once, you're to forgive them three times. And that's where Peter's like, hey, I, you know, I, I know what they say. I'm only supposed to give them three times for what they've done. So I'm just going to be really spiritual and really holy here, Jesus. And I'm going to tack on four more, right? So am I supposed to forgive them up to seven times? And Jesus in the next verse says, well, no, Peter, actually you're supposed to forgive them 70 times seven, your translation may say. And so Jesus says that this way, he gives you a large number because he's really saying, Peter, here's the principle, you forgive. You're not to keep track, you're not to keep count, you forgive. Because Peter, that's what we do. We forgive people. Because what you're going to learn in this story is this, forgiven people forgive. That's what it means to follow Christ. Forgiven people Forgive. And then Jesus begins to tell this story, and we're just going to pick up in verse 23. And he says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the accounts with his servants. And understand this, that the king has every right to do that. Right? Like the, the king has every right to come and collect his debts. And he comes in verse 24. And when he began to settle one, he was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. I'll stop right there. You, if you have a study Bible, you probably got some footnotes there uh, that is going to tell you how much 10,000 talents probably was. Now, what's interesting is if you read through several commentaries, depending on the decade in which it was written, and they're trying to translate this over into U.S. dollars, you're going to see all kinds of various numbers. You know why? Because there's this one little word that has become very common in our homes lately. It's been common on the news. It's a word that we didn't start using a lot until this year. Inflation, right? So you might read a commentary or something out of the 70s and they say, oh, this was a couple of hundred million dollars. You might read it today and they're saying this is in the billions, right? Inflation, yeah? That just makes you want to sit up and smile, doesn't it? Yeah. But what you need to take from that verse is this. Not so much how much does it you know, transfer over today in American dollars, but that what Jesus gives you in the story is this man owed an unpayable amount in his lifetime. That there is no way that he could pay back what was owed. 
Many scholars believe that it could have, even in this day and time, could have taken this man 20 to 30 lifetimes to pay back this debt. It was an unpayable debt. He owed so much money, there was no way that he was going to pay this debt off. And, and, and this is why it makes verse 25 make sense in that culture and day, because in verse 25 it says, And since he could not pay, his master had ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, all that he had in payment to be made. See, in this day, this time, this custom, this period of, of history, if you could not pay your debt, then you could be sold to your debtor, and then you had to work that debt off. But this is what is laughable in the text. Because verse 26 says, the servant falls on his knees, implores the king, have patience with me. Give me some time. Give me a week. <laughs> Give me a month. Give me a few years. I'll pay you back. I promise. How many of you have that kind of a family member? How many of you have that kind of a friend? Just loan me a little more. I promise, this time I'll pay you back. Uh, just, just loan me a little more. This time I promise, I, I'm good for it. I'll pay you. So here he is with an unpayable debt imploring the king, Lord, just give me time. I'll work it off. I'll, I'll pay you back. But notice the picture of the king in verse 27. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him, and forgave the debt. What you see in verse 27, in the middle and the heart of the story, is the heart of our king. It's the heart of our God. Who our God says, you have an unpayable debt. You cannot pay your sin debt off to me. You can try to work your sin debt out. You can try to balance out the scales. You can try to be better than you are good. You can do all of those things all throughout your lifetime, but you're going to continue to fall short of my glory because I'm the standard. So you and I have to understand when we think about our lives, we think about all our goods and all our bads, what we tend to do is we want to compare ourselves to each other. So this side of the sanctuary might look over to someone on this side of the sanctuary and go, well, I'm not that bad. Right? This side might look to the middle and be like, man, I know that person sins. At least I didn't do that. Right? And, and God says, no. This isn't an ethic. This isn't a moral where you're trying to stay ahead of the other guy. You've got to measure up to me in order to relate to me, God says. And because you can't, you always have this sin debt that cannot be paid. But God out of his heart, God out of his mercy, God out of his compassion for you and me as people that are made in his image says, I want to relate to you. You have this sin problem that now I'm going to take care of by sending my son Jesus to pay that debt. And it's on the cross that Christ paid our debt through the resurrection, overcoming the grave and sin for us. So that now in 1 Corinthians, we read that verse that we were bought with the price by the precious blood of Christ Jesus. And that is good news. Amen? 
And that's the heart of God. That's the picture of God right here in the middle of this story that the king pays the debt for the one who could not pay it. And man, that would be great to end right there. That's a good spot to end, isn't it? Let's end on that high note, right? Let's end going, all right, woohoo! The, the, the guy's set free, the king has paid it. What a great spot to end the sermon. But give me 15 more minutes. Because Jesus continues. Because what happens is absolutely shocking. Pick up in verse 28. When the same servant went out, all right, so the one who'd been forgiven of this huge debt, he went out and found one of his fellow servants, verse 28 says, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him began to choke him and said, pay what you owe. Now understand again, it's going to be hard to translate how much a hundred denarii is in modern day terms, uh, but as close as we can get is probably about $4,000, right? So understand just basically this basic math, huge unpayable debt, now a debt that can be paid, a, a debt that, that can be paid back to this man. Verse 29, this man comes and he, he, you know, he's got him by the throat and the servant falls down and pleads with him, have patience with me, I'll pay you. Verse 30, the man refused and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. I think it's important just to kind of stop in the story right here and ask yourself this question. Where do you see yourself in the story? All, right, all, all the characters of the story have now been introduced. Who are you in the story? Maybe you are the person uh, sitting here today or, or you're hearing my voice wherever you are, and you're not a disciple of Jesus. You have not yet allowed Christ to pay that sin debt for you. And maybe yet you're the one who has said, I, I've not come to faith and trust in Christ in my life. I'm, I'm one of those that's trying to work my way to God. I'm just trying to be better and better in hopes that God will forgive me then if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to come to the king and by faith and trust in King Jesus today, ask him to forgive you of your sin. The great news of the Bible is in Romans 10, 13, is that when we come to the Lord and we call out to him for salvation, that he does not put us to shame. He doesn't turn us away. But then we have salvation and forgiveness in Christ. And for some of you, maybe that's you today. Maybe for a lot of you today, you are the one who has said, I have been forgiven of a large debt. I know Christ is my Savior. He has forgiven me of my sin debt, and that's who you are. I'm going to suspect, though, there are still some of you in here that you are like the man who had been forgiven of such a large debt that now you are unwilling to forgive someone else. And I'm just going to suspect in a room this size that there are some of you today that are withholding forgiveness towards someone else. That in your heart, you're saying no. The Holy Spirit is saying forgive, and you're saying no. And continue on with me what happens in the story to the man who says, no, I will not forgive. I will not confess this sin. People find out about it, and they go to the king, and they let the king know what has happened. The king is upset in verse 32, he comes and he brings this man back before him again. And notice how he says this, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt you had pleaded with me. And, and you should not have had mercy on this other guy? 
is I've had mercy on you. Because remember, forgiven people forgive. That's what we do. That's who we are as Christians. So verse 34, Jesus ends up with how the king treats this servant who is unwilling to forgive this man of his debt. It says in verse 34, And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So verse 35, So my heavenly Father will do every one of you, to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's important to understand in verse 34 that this king hands them over to the jailer and not the executioner. It's a big difference. See, in your translations, you may have the word jailer or you may have the word torturer. It's the same Greek word. And I know we think of jailers today not as torturers, but understand in this, this is torture. This doesn't just bide in your time in a, in a prison cell. But it's not the executioner. And that's important. Because remember, the king is the one who has forgiven this man of his debt. So when we apply this into our salvation, when you come to Christ by faith in Jesus, you are brought into God's family. Now, as a disciple of Jesus, God sees you as his son or your, his daughter. So when you and I sin against God, now stay with me on this, when you and I sin against God, that does not affect our relationship with God. The relationship does not change. He's still your heavenly father. You still are his child. He doesn't disown you because of your sin. However, what happens when you and I sin and we cover that sin and we don't confess that sin, now the fellowship has changed. Now the fellowship is affected because we've got sin that we're not confessing, specifically unforgiveness. So now prayers you're praying are hindered. Now blessings that God wants to bless you with are blocked. Now that fellowship is hurt. It's damaged. So therefore, the more sin that you have that you're covering and keeping, and especially in the sin we're talking about here of not forgiving, now the mental health issues start. The depression sets in. The worry comes up. Anxiety builds. Why? Why? What is the prison, so to speak, you're under? What's happening in that moment as a believer in Jesus when you are saying, I will not confess this. I will not turn from this. Well, let's go to the book of Hebrews real quickly. And let's end in Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 5 through 11. Because I think it's important to understand how God works in our lives when we are covering sin up. When we are withholding forgiveness to someone else, when we're not naming the sin in our life and confessing it, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5, we pick up with a text that quite honestly we probably don't like, but we need. Verse 5, it says, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Now, when he uses sons there, this can apply to you ladies as well as daughters. So understand this is believers in Jesus that he's talking about, so sons and daughters of God. Verse 5, he says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the, dis for the Lord disciplines the one he loves 
and chastises every son whom he receives. And if you circle a verse in your Bible, circle that one. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. For it's the discipline that you have to endure that God is treating you as sons for what son is there whom the father does not discipline. Verse 8, if you're left without discipline in which uh, all have participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have, have earthly fathers who discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? Well, notice verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, parents to child. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. So as a parent, when your child does something against you, disobeys you, that's still your child. But you discipline them to bring them back in right fellowship. Because the fellowship's been broken. The trust has been broken. The relationship's been damaged. So therefore, we discipline our earthly children still as our children because we love them to say, no, I'm lining you back in right fellowship with me as your parent. It's the same thing God does with us as his children. When we have sin in our lives that we're unwilling to confess and forgive, God doesn't just sweep it under the rug. God begins to discipline us to then say, I'm bringing you back lovingly through this to be in right fellowship with me again. So, therefore, the mental health issue that you may be struggling with today, you may be at the very root cause of that. That unconfessed sin that you're not naming, the unforgiveness that you will not extend, that's the root of your problem right now. You may think it's something else, and you're treating that thing, but you're not treating the cause. For some of you with gardens, you definitely get this illustration. You can go out and weed your garden and chop off the top, <laughs> but what happens? The weed just comes right back. You've got to weed the garden and get all of that root system out. What is the root cause of your mental health issue today? Could it just be the sin you are unwilling to name and ask for forgiveness of? Could it be the, the sin of not forgiving the other person? Here's the good news of the gospel when we allow God to get down to the root in our lives, it is God that forgives us and cleanses us. One of my favorite verses is 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, and the word confess there means to agree, right? to agree with God. Right? Newsflash, when you come and confess your sin to God, God already knows what you did. Right? You're not going to surprise him. But when you confess, God is like, finally, <laughs> thank you. I've been working on your life and in your heart to get your attention. Right? All of those things, discipline to get your attention to bring back to me. Some of those we get very quickly and easily in our lives because some of us are not as hard-headed as the others. Right? Some of us, God will send just a spiritual two-by-four. 
If you confess, you agree with God what I have done or what I'm withholding is sin, then it is God who is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Now, the converse to that, the flip to that, is if you do not confess your sin, then God will not cleanse you and forgive you of all your unrighteousness. Because verse 10 says it this way, that if you say you do not have sin, then you make God a liar and the word of God is not in you. So the point of the story is simple. Forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. This is what we do. I, I love the story of Corey Tinboom. If you don't know the story of uh, Corey Tinboom, go and Google it later. Just fascinating story. Here is a, a young lady that survived the Nazi concentration camp, and she tells this story in a Guidepost article in 1972. You can uh, go out and Google it and read the story, and I encourage you to do that. But Corey Tinboom, as a Christian, is sharing her testimony in a church in Germany in 1947. And at the end of the service, a man walks up to her. The man does not recognize Corey Tinboom, but she sure recognized him right off the bat. He was one of the Nazi guards that was in the concentration camp in which Corey and her sister were in prison. This is one of the guards that abused them. This is one of the guards that every time she took a shower and her sister took a shower, he stood there and watched. This was a guard that was responsible for the death of Corey Timboom's sister. And the man came up to her and says, I have become a Christian recently, and isn't it wonderful that we can be forgiven of all of our sins in Christ Jesus? And Corey Timboom in this article relates, she said, in my heart at that moment, as he stuck out his hand to shake mine, I froze. I didn't want to shake his hand. For all the things that he had done in my life, to my sister, and the cause of her death, she says in the article, I had an icy grip to my body at that moment. No way I wanted to extend forgiveness. And she said, but finally the Lord broke that icy grip, and I stuck out my hand, and I forgave that man of what he did. Listen, you will not find hope and healing in Jesus until you name the sin in your life. For some of you this morning, you need to name the pornography. You need to name the affair. You need to name the jealousy. You need to name the unforgiveness. You need to name the anger. For some of you today, it's a person in your past you may never see again. They may be gone. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you got to go out and be best friends with them anymore. But for some of you right now, it's an ex-husband. It's an ex-wife. It's a parent. It's a friend. It was a teacher. It was a preacher. It was whoever in your life that hurt you that you may never, ever see. And they may never, ever say they're sorry. But you have to extend that hand of forgiveness. You have to right now say, Lord, I'm going to forgive them. Because the mental health prison you're in today, you're the jailer. You're the one keeping yourself there. And you may be thinking, no way I'm forgiving them. I'm going to pay them back through my unforgiveness. Nope, that's the, not the way it's going to work. 
You're not hurting them by not forgetting them. You're hurting you. And the only way you find forgiveness and hope and help and freedom in Jesus today toward that person is three words. It's the most three powerful words you're ever going to utter in that situation. I forgive you. Because forgiven people forgive. I want to thank you so much for watching today's message. And just want to ask you an important question. And it's essentially this. Have you made a decision in your life to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life? You know, there's a man in the Bible one time that came up to Christ and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And maybe today you're sitting there thinking that exact same thing. I know I have a lot of things in my life, but I'm not sure I have eternal life. I'm not sure I have the forgiveness of my sin that's promised by Jesus in the Bible. And Christ told that man, you have to follow me. And so that's what the Bible tells us, that in order to be saved, we follow Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. And to follow him means this, we trust him. By faith, we're trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. By faith, we're trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection from the grave for the forgiveness of our sin. And so in order to start that relationship, place your trust and faith in Christ. I know a lot of people maybe overcomplicate it, but the Bible says what you do is pray. Just call out to the Lord. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls out the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I just want to encourage you right now where you are, if you're ready to begin a relationship with Christ, you can simply just bow your head and pray with me. Say, Dear God, I'm ready today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. By faith, I trust in His death, burial, and resurrection. God, thank you for saving me from my sins and giving me eternal life with you. I want to invite you, if you prayed that prayer with me, to let us know. You can go to heightschurch.org connect. And there on that connect page, you're going to see a little tab that says decision. You click that decision, fill out that information. That's going to come right to me and we'll be in touch with you no matter where you are because our mission here at Heights is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. So we want to just help you take that next step of faith. So go to heightschurch.org slash connect, click that decision button, and let us know that today you began a relationship with Christ. Till we see each other again, God bless.